Well, good morning, church. How are y'all doing? You have so far survived Flumageddon 2018. You are here, and we are so thankful you're here. You survived the cold, and uh, I'm going to tell you that I believe God is going to bless this morning. I believe he wants to honor us and honor you. Um, This morning, I am not preaching, which I am satisfied with that, because I get to hear uh, one of my favorite people, uh, Brother Travis Sharp. He's going to be speaking this morning. If you don't know Brother Travis, this man has got a heart for missions. He's got a heart for people, a burden for the lost, and it's just, it's, it's a good thing. If you know Brother Travis, it's a good thing that you have him in your, in your court on your side. And so would y'all welcome Brother Travis Sharp as he comes to preach this morning. Amen. All right. Good morning and welcome to Temple Baptist Church. It's a good place to be, isn't it? Praise God. I want you to take your Bible this morning and find John chapter number 11. The gospel of John chapter number 11, and it's cold outside, but praise God, warm inside, and I'm thankful for heat, thankful for uh, the comfort that God has given us, and the goodness of God this morning, and I'm thankful to Pastor Malcolm for allowing me the opportunity to fill in and share God's word. I've been excited ever since he asked me, amen. I want you to look at John chapter 11, and I'm going to read two verses, verse number 4, and then verse number 40, verses 4 and verse number 40. And I woke up with the same thing that probably half of y'all woke up with, a little sore throat and and scratch there, so uh, you pray for me, I'll pray for you, Amen. amen? Let's see what the Bible says, John 11, verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now let's turn and look at verse number 40. Again, the Bible says, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. I want to speak to you this morning about God's glory in our trouble. God's glory in our trouble. Let's pray together. Father, I love you. And I thank you for the goodness of God. Thank you for these verses and this chapter and this context. And I'm just praying, oh God, that you would get glory out of everything said and done today. Fill me, Lord, with your power, with your presence, and use me, I pray, for your glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing with me. You can have a seat. In this chapter, there is a family that consists of at least one brother and two sisters, a man named Lazarus and then his sisters Mary and Martha. And what happens is that Lazarus gets sick. He was 
deathly ill, very, very sick. And Jesus was a friend of this family. He had visited them many times probably, probably spent time in their home and they knew they loved Jesus and he loved them and they knew that he loved them. And so when their brother Lazarus is sick, they send unto Jesus. Maybe they sent messengers and they said, Jesus, this one, our brother that you love, he's sick. Basically, they were saying, help us. We know, we believe, we, we, we understand that you can do something about this. We know that you are the Son of God. You can fix this if only you will. And Jesus responds with stillness. He doesn't run. Uh, he doesn't panic even. How many of you like James Spann? You like to watch him on, on the weather? Boy, I do. Uh, he put on there a couple days ago about the possibility of sleet and all this on Friday. On Thursday, I seen a Facebook post he put on there. And he said, uh, he said, there's no need to panic. And then in parentheses, he put, I'll tell you when to panic. Amen. And, uh, and so Jesus is kind of telling Martha, uh, so to speak, don't panic. And here's what he said in verse 4. This sickness is not unto death. In other words, the, the reason for this, the outcome of this, it's not just because of death. There's a reason behind what's going on. And he goes on to tell us in verse 4 and verse 40 that it's all about the glory of God. The glory of God. This family was in trouble. Would you agree with that? As a matter of fact, they were grieving over at first this sickness and then eventually this death of a family member. And they say that when we grieve, there's at least five stages of grief. One of those is denial. Another stage is anger. Another stage is bargaining. Another stage is depression. And then prayerfully, the final stage in the grieving process for us is acceptance when we accept the things that cannot be necessarily changed. And so this family was grieving because eventually their brother died. You know, when trouble comes, we can respond in several different ways. I think there's three basic ways to respond. Number one, we can focus on the trouble. Focus on the problem at hand. And, and many of us do that. Say amen right there. The problem with focusing on the trouble is... It will always bring discouragement. Without fail, if we keep our eyes on, on the trouble itself, we will be discouraged. We can also focus on finding a solution to the trouble. And it is good to work through. We have to. And we need to find solutions. But if we focus on fixing it ourselves. That always brings about worry. 
which is a sin. Say amen right there. But there's a third thing that we can choose to do when trouble or grief or any kind of difficulty comes to our house. And that is we can focus on God and more specifically God's glory. God's glory. The the word glory simply means honor or splendor. And when we speak about the glory of God, I believe the Bible means the honor, the splendor, the attributes that are God when they go public. In other words, when you praise God, and you worship Him because He's holy, you're giving God glory. When we sing and we say, Thou art worthy, O God, to receive praise and honor and glory, we are glorifying God because we're sharing with the world who and what God is. Amen? Well, I believe every one of us here this morning should... Focus on God's glory during our trouble because of the three outcomes that will follow. The three outcomes that will follow. Let me give you uh, and tell you these outcomes. This is what happens if we will focus on God's glory in our trouble. Number one, God's glory brings purpose to our trouble. When we focus not on the problem at hand and not on only finding a way to fix the problem, but when we come to God and focus on the Lord and say, God, how can you be glorified in all of this mess that I'm going through at this time, then I'm here to tell you that God's glory can bring purpose to our life. The Bible tells us so plainly, so plainly if I can find the right chapter, amen. The Bible says in verse 4, when Jesus heard that, when he heard about the sickness, when he heard about the grief, when he heard about the trouble, Can I tell you this and and remind us of this today? If you're here this morning and if you're hearing me, evidently you're here. Amen. I don't know why us preachers say that, but we just do. Uh, But if you're going through trouble, can I tell you something? God has heard that about you. God's not forgotten you. He's not wondering where you are or how you are. I like it. The Bible says when Jesus heard that and when you cried out to God, he heard that. When your heart broke, he heard that. When you wept a tear, he heard that. Amen. In verse 15, he said something. That seems cruel if you only have half of the picture. He says, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Lazarus has died now. Jesus has delayed his coming. And he says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. 
You see, through every trial, through every storm, through every grieving process, God has His intentions. And the intentions of God are always the best result for us, His children, even though we can't always see it. God being glorified is the main purpose of the believer's life, even in our trouble. The Bible says in Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. The Bible says in Matthew 5.16, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Then Jesus said, Let your light, So shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. In other words, God desires to use my life and your life to bring Him glory. Now, if you're like me, maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, that's all good and all that God gets some glory, but... But what about me? Uh, Is that a good trade-off? I mean, after all, he's God. It seems like if God's going to get the glory and I'm going to do the suffering or the hurting or the grieving, he ought to give me a little something to boot in this trade. Can I tell you? These three outcomes are the boot. (laughs) These three outcomes is the trade-off. When we focus on God's glory, number one, it will bring purpose to our trouble. Without God in the picture, very little purpose, very little reason, very little rhyme. But with God and us focusing on His glory, there can be purpose in our trouble. We're always asking God why. But a better question might be, God, how? God, how can you get glory out of my grief? How can you get glory out of my difficulty? What about when Jesus cried out on the cross? He cried out as he was being crucified and he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can I tell you this? It's not wrong to ask God why. But let me show you this. We need to remember that right before Jesus went to the cross, He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was in the garden where He prayed and He said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not My will, but Thy will be done. In other words, God was not upset when Jesus asked why because He had already settled in His heart of hearts that God, I will align my will with Your will. 
This morning I wrote this statement down. Focusing on God's glory brings purpose because it aligns our desires with God's desires. It aligns our will with God's will. Here's the question. Will you as God's child seek to glorify God in the midst of your trouble? I promise you, if we will, we will find a purpose that we have never found before. To give God glory, to make His name known, to brag on Jesus and allow it to affect those around us is a wonderful mission in this life. There is a 16 or 17 year old young girl, I don't know exactly how old she is, maybe like 20. Her name's Jenna Botterford. She's a friend of, her family's a friend of mine. Her family's a friend of Pastor Malcolm's. They live over in Barnwell, South Carolina, where uh, Preacher Malcolm pastored several years ago. And Jenna is going through some of the most awful cancer treatments that you could ever see or ever imagine. And her family is holding on to hope. And they're holding on to God. And I've been following their Facebook page. And with every post, they glorify God. And you would not believe the hundreds of people who are praying for Jenna. And the hundreds of people who are making comments. And all the glory that is going toward heaven. And her mama and daddy said, it is our desire that God be glorified. And they said this, through it all, through this journey so far, God has taught us that giving him glory is even more fulfilling than seeing healing in our own daughter. When we focus on God's glory, it brings purpose to our trouble. Number two. When we focus on God's glory, it brings peace to our trouble. It brings peace to our trouble. In this story, as it unfolds, Jesus does something that is just weird. And if you're too spiritual to think that some of the stuff Jesus did was was odd or weird, then I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that thinks like that. But he had all the power. He had all the ability. He didn't own a car, but he could be there in a minute. Amen? But the Bible says that when Jesus heard about all this in verse 6, it says that he abode two days still in the same place where he was. In other words, Jesus didn't panic. Jesus never panicked. Someone said to me one time, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? And I scratched my head for about 10 minutes and said, I don't know. But the point is that Jesus did not panic because Jesus had a plan. Martha was going stir crazy. Martha's a picture of that servant That one that needs to try to fix it. That one that needs to try to figure it all out. That one that needs to help God a little bit. But the Bible says Jesus sat still. 
And then when you look down in verse 20, the Bible says that Mary also sat still in the house. Jesus sat still. Mary, the worshiper, sat still. And I'm here to say to us this morning that in the middle of our greatest difficulties in life, when we focus on the glory of God in the situation, He can give us the ability to worship Him and sit still and not panic. Amen? Don't you want the ability... Don't you want the privilege to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not toward thine own understanding and in all thy ways acknowledge Him so that He can direct your paths? Why is it that we have such a high suicide rate? Why is it that it breaks our heart? Why is it? Why is it? Because grief is real. Amen? Trouble is real. Depression is real. Jesus, now listen to this. Jesus was not downplaying the grief when he sat still. Jesus was not saying, oh, it's not that bad. As a matter of fact, Jesus looked at the people around him and the Bible says that Jesus said plainly, Lazarus is dead. He knew the grief was real. He knew the trouble was real. He wasn't downplaying their pain. He was upplaying his ability. And the fact of the matter is, no matter how dark the night gets, the darkness of this world's trouble can never exceed the brightness of the glory of our God. Amen. And God's glory can bring peace. The Bible said in Psalm 46, 10, uh, 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Galatians 5, says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Amen. Has God ever made you sit still? When our son Hunter was just a toddler, he's like Jolly Green Giant now, for those of you that know him. But when he was maybe 18 months old, something like that, just a little fella, my wife April and I went through one of the darkest times of our marriage by way of having a miscarriage. And it was, it was tough. It was, it was uh, hard on me, but it was especially difficult on my wife. And for several days, we were kind of dazed. It, it was just, we were in denial, we were, we were upset, we were grieving. And, and the busyness of life and work and all that stuff seemed like we just couldn't come to any, couldn't get any help, it seemed like. And so a friend of ours, as a matter of fact, I think it was April, she said, just take me away. Take me somewhere. I need to get away from this town. Have you ever felt like that? 
And a friend of ours had a camper in the North Georgia mountains and and, and he had previously offered it to me, and I called him, and it was in a, in a campground, but real secluded in the mountains, and nobody really there. And, and I called him, and I said, can we go? This is the situation. We need to get away. And we cried all the way there. It, we were grieving. And we got there, and it's me and April and Hunter as, as a little boy and in this camper, and we're trying to just kind of process And that night, as April and I were trying to process things and talk through things, my phone rang. And it was my father. And he never calls me late at night like that, really. And and, and so I thought, well, I I don't want to be answering the phone right now. It's kind of an important time to be with my wife. But I, I answered. And my dad, who never cries was weeping on the other end of the phone. And he was in Florida, but his, his younger brother, he told me on the phone through tears, had suddenly died. And they were making all the arrangements. And this is what my dad said to me. My dad was not saved. His, my uncles were not saved. No one in my family was saved. No one. And we've been praying for years for their salvation. And my dad says to me, son, I need you. And my heart sank because my wife needed me. And now I've got my my dad on the phone crying because of a death in our family. He said to me, he said, we don't even know a preacher. You're the only one our family's got. You have to come and do this funeral and help us in Kentucky. And so, what do you do? I hung up the phone and I looked at April and I can't remember. She probably remembers every detail, but somehow or another we prayed. We asked God. We figured it out. And she said, go go help your family. And the, the strangest thing happened. I did. I went because opportunity to, to, to share Christ with my lost family and help them while they were grieving. And the most amazing thing happened, and April will tell you, when I left that early that next morning, and she, she was able to get alone with God and pray uninterrupted, fall on her face before God, After a couple of days of being in the presence of the Lord and crying and grieving and then coming to the place where she said, God, somehow, please just get glory out of this awful situation. Her testimony is, it was when she was able to be alone with God and say, God, you get the glory. That then and only then is when the peace of God flooded her heart. Can I tell you, we can't find peace on television. We can't find peace in our closest spouse or closest friend. 
Of course we cannot find peace in in, in a substance. We cannot find peace in this world. But when we focus on God's glory and we come to Him with our deepest uh, fears and our deepest hurts, God's glory can bring peace in the midst of our storm. Amen? Can I ask you this question before I move on? Do you need peace today? Do you need peace? Will you set your eyes on Christ and His glory? The first peace we need in our life is peace with God. And I have to give a commercial break and say this. If you've never been saved by the grace of God, then according to God's Word, your soul is not at peace with God. Peace with God means the the enmity is gone. The judgment is gone. Jesus took our judgment on the cross of Calvary when He died in our place. And when we trust Him to be our Savior, we have peace with God. But then as we walk through life, we're going to need the peace of God to make it through these hard times. And it's God's glory that can bring peace to our trouble. Let me give you the last outcome. Outcome number three. When we focus on God and His glory, it not only brings purpose in our trouble and peace in our trouble, but thirdly, it will bring perspective to our trouble. Perspective, as you know, is the ability to see a situation from every angle. From every angle. And the problem with grief, one of the problems, and one of the problems with with troublesome times in our life, is it gives us tunnel vision. Or am I the only one that happens to? Listen, when the checking account is empty, it seems like all we can see is empty. Amen? When, 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 when things are tore up, it seems that we can't see the one that's running. All we see is the one on blocks. When grief comes, we, we just can't see the good things in our life. All we can see is the heartache. But focusing on God's glory can bring perspective in the midst of our trouble. For Mary and Martha, Jesus gave them some great perspective. Let me show you how. He gave them, first of all, a perspective to his love. And then he gave them a perspective to his life. Lazarus really was loved. Jesus loved. Mary and Martha and Lazarus. The Bible says in verse 3, when the sisters sent to Jesus, they didn't say, hey Jesus, Lazarus really loves you and he's sick and he has a problem. In verse 3, they said, he whom thou lovest is sick. He whom thou lovest. In other words... 
the, the fact that Jesus loved him was a bigger bargaining chip than the fact that Lazarus loved Jesus. Why? Because my love fails. Your love is imperfect. Matter of fact, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And so Jesus uh, showed them a perspective on his love. Verse 5 says, now Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Let me show you something that maybe you've never thought of. I know I didn't until I studied this. He loved them, therefore he delayed his coming unto them. Why? That he might try their faith and it be found to praise and honor. But there's something even greater. He loved them, therefore he designed a special miracle just for them. You see, if Jesus had, a, had of come quickly and healed Lazarus' sickness, he would have done for that family what he had done for multitudes of people. If Jesus had come hours after Lazarus died, he would have done for that family what he had done for at least two other families recently. But the fact that Jesus waited four days, the fact that he delayed his coming, set the stage for Jesus to do for Lazarus what he did for no other family. In other words, the grief that we experience today could be a setup for God to do something so special in your life nobody else has ever seen it like that before. He can bring perspective. A perspective to His love. And He gave them a a perspective to His life. Giving life was not Something Jesus could do. It was who he was. That's why he said in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Can I tell you, we need perspective, amen? I'm going to tell you this story and then we'll be done. When I was in my very early 20s in Augusta, Georgia, that's when April and I and and our church, Victory Baptist Church, it's when we started the Garden City Rescue Mission, a homeless shelter for men and women and children. And God allowed us to have that dream and start that from scratch. And We looked for a building for a couple years, and then finally when the time was right, God provided one. I saw a building downtown that had a for sale sign, And I called the real estate agent, began to uh, deal with this man, and his name was Jim. And I began to to, to deal with him about that, and we liked the building after seeing it. So I went back and told Pastor Brown, and he said this. He said, get them down to their bottom price, and then we'll just see what the church can do. We'll take up some offerings, we'll pay for it. This building was for sale for like $295,000, and I thought, you know, to, to, to myself, I thought, now I know that real estate agent, he's going he's gonna to try to 
make as much money as he can. It's his job to look out for the owner and make as much as he can. And, and I thought I'm not going to let him get one, one cent more than they ought to out of this transaction for God. <laughs> so I set my mind at that. And I mean, I was researching, I was doing all this stuff. I, I went to the county uh, courthouse and looked up the, the, the tax uh, records and the values and all this stuff. And, and in the end, the owner of this building wound up giving us the building. He just gave it to us. And... I thought it was because I had prayed real hard. I thought it was because I had believed. And I'm sure that God honored a lot of that. But about six months after we had this mission up and running, the real estate agent called me. And I had really thought, man, I showed that guy. He didn't make no commission. (laughs) Well, he calls me. He proceeds to tell me that he, he knows about a homeless man living behind a department store in Augusta and told me kind of where it was and just said, I would like to ask you to go check on him. And I said, well, okay, that's what I do, you know. I'm still thinking, I got you, buddy. So I go to behind this Steinmart department store And sure enough, there's a trail in the woods and it's littered with debris and, you know, an old shopping cart and vines grow. And and, and finally, it winds along to this tent that's grown over. You tell this man's been here for a long time. And I hollered and, 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 and I said, hello, is anyone home? Nobody moved. No, no nothing. No response. Hello, is anyone home? I said, I'm here from the mission. Nothing. I thought, well, nobody's there. Then I thought for a minute and I said, hello, Jim Reeves sent me. That's the name of that real estate agent. And as soon as I said that name, the tent started shaking. And all of a sudden the door unzipped and a man poked his head out. He said, Jim sent you here? And I thought, this is strange. I said, yeah, and this gray-bearded man with uh, just looked like he hadn't bathed in a long time, just typical-looking man that has been on the streets for a long time, he said, come on over here then. I'm scratching my head. I go over and I sit down, and he says, how do you know Jim? And I began to tell him he was the real estate agent, and I said, the Greater question on my mind is, how do you know Jim? And then he began to tell me the story. For like the last three or four years, Jim, the real estate agent that was trying to, you know, rip off the church, every Easter, every Thanksgiving, and I think on Christmas too, Jim would go get this man, take him to a nice hotel in town, feed him for the whole week and give him new clothes just so he could spend the holidays safe and warm. And as that man was sitting there telling me all about this, it was like God was beating me over the head. Hey, you dummy. 
thought I was the only one that cared to help somebody. But all along, God had partnered me up with the real estate agent. And the real reason we got that building, it was our prayer, I, I'm sure of that, but, but it didn't help that Mr. Reeves had been talking to the owner who lived in Florida saying this young man really loves people and I think, I think you ought to just give it to him, let him see what he can do. And as I sat there beside that man on a log outside of his tent, God began to give me a whole different perspective. And if we'll focus on God's glory in our trouble, God will allow us to see life from a whole different point of view. I'm here to tell you that God is looking for some to worship Him. And the sweetest mercies come in the darkest hour of our life. Will you... Focus today on God's glory and allow purpose to come, peace to come, and perspective to come. I promise you, if we'll give it to God, He'll give those outcomes in our life. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together and I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to have a word of prayer. And my desire today is that you would find a place in this altar to say, Oh God, help me Lord today to give you more glory. Help me to focus on the glory of God in my trouble.